Welcome back to this episode of Market Saints, where Jack and I were just blabbering on about two minutes about how the EPA might be like a lame government committee to be on compared to other ones. That's the uh, Environmental Protection Agency. Yep. Only took it. me about four tries mm-hmm. to get that right. Um, today, we will be discussing the Ohio oil incident, something I'm sure you've heard of happened about a month ago, early February. We'll be talking through it, maybe give some of our takes on it. Also talk about the company as a whole, like their stock price and whatnot, because it actually is not suffering to the extent that I thought it might. But uh, yeah, Jack, take us away a little bit. Yeah, sure. So just a little bit of background. So I guess on February 3rd, um, a Norfolk Southern freight train was carrying hazardous materials from Madison, Illinois uh, to Conway, Pennsylvania. And it ended up derailing in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh, no. Um, So there were about 51 cars that got derailed. And out of those, 11 were carrying toxic chemicals. So these included um, chloroethene, um, which is also known as vinyl vinyl chloride, um, which they used to make PVC pipe. Um, I like how you're saying that, like anyone's going to understand what that chemical formula actually means well they know what it they know what it makes now yeah well, now they do wow yeah. thank you for clarifying <laughs> the pvc chemical look at that so uh vinyl chloride butyl acrylate which is used to make glue and paint um and a bunch of other very toxic toxic chemicals that are mostly used for heavy industry um so 11 of these cars were involved in the derailment um which ended up becoming an explosion risk um so there was a controlled burn of these chemicals uh, in the town of East Palestine, um, which triggered emergency response protocols in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Um, the surrounding town was evacuated for about two miles out, I think. They're coming to um, your home state, man. Mm-hmm. Jack is from I West know, Virginia, for anybody that they're doesn't on, know. They're on the border. Maybe the only one at St. Andrews from West Virginia. I think so. Have you come across anybody else? I have not, except mm. for my family. <laughs> well, um, that doesn't count. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so East Palestine, the town was evacuated about two miles out from the blast radius um, and the controlled burn basically released a toxic mushroom cloud of hazardous chemicals, which has since kind of settled over the area. Um, and the EPA and other agencies in Norfolk, Norfolk Southern, um, have been dealing with the fallout of that for a couple yeah, of weeks I, now. I just don't think it's severe enough. So the EPA was saying that they can fine the uh, Norfolk Southern $70,000 a day if it falls short of cleaning up and paying for the Ohio toxic train wreck. So, you know, there's people coming forward. We'll talk about it after, but like CNN did pulled like kind of a hilarious move. They brought like, I think it was the governor of Ohio and the CEO of this company. And then they brought a bunch of East Palestine residents and they were kind of just like screaming at them. Um, like the, I, I, it was kind of a funny visual. But I, a lot of people are saying that the EPA's threat is not enough. They're saying that the threat needs to be like you have to cease operation if you don't clean up what you do. Because seventy thousand dollars a day to these companies really is is quite inconsequential. Yeah. No, I mean, I think is it Norfolk Southern's revenue like almost ten billion dollars? Yeah, th- their yeah. profit last year was you know just under around four billion. So they're profiting you know over ten million dollars a day. So they could do nothing for almost five to six months. And that would just cover a day's worth of profit. So yeah. like $70,000 a day, I guess is more for like the headline on slap and slap on the wrist more than it is anything that's actually going to affect any change. The only way that you can really affect change, I think, is is by literally ceasing operations of their business. And then, you know, that's when the stock price will start to actually plummet. Because yeah. um, if we look at their stock price a little bit here, um, I know this is more of the nerdy stuff, Jack, but it'll be short. 
it only really has been down 13% throughout the month since the incident. So it peaked around February 3rd, which is the day that this, you know, uh, whole incident occurred. And it was around um, 254, give or take. And, uh, and it was still in the middle of its 52 week range around then. And then now it's still about 20 bucks above its 52 week low. So it's sitting around the low two twenties. Um, so around 13%, like I said, and although I would, I would have expected on the day that something like that happened, maybe it wasn't as big of a news story as I thought it was. Cause it was pretty well known. Like I, I heard about it and, you know, it was in a random Ohio town. Like it must've been a big enough incident that it was, you know, national news there. It wasn't really a super high volume trading day. So I would expect like when something like that were to happen, a lot of people would immediately sell and liquidate their their shares expecting that the stock price would, you know, decrease and then maybe buy, you know, into the dip, which is what we're seeing. We're seeing a pretty high volume of trade now as it's gotten down into the low 220s. And today it's actually started to rebound a little bit. It's only up about a percent on the day, but that's the first positive day it's had in a couple of months, uh, sort of. It's it's had a couple of positive days, but but not really. It's been followed by um, continued uh, decreases. So maybe this is proving to be a good time to buy because um, the stock seems to be rebounding a little bit and it's decreasing at much less of an extreme margin as it was for a couple of weeks. And today already has quite a high uh, trade uh, volume in comparison to others. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who know quite a bit more than we do about the current markets. And there's maybe a rhyme or reason for doing that. Um, so maybe keep an eye on that going forward. Do you have any like retrospective theories on why it didn't fall that much in the first place? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. Like, I, I, I don't know if it's due to just like lack of communication. Their beta is kind of high, which means especially for a transportation company, it's at like 1.3, which I would expect to be lower um, because, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but any sort of transportation seems like quite like a, firm and and stable um overall like industry and so ultimately the fact that their beta is 1.3 which means it's 1.3 times more volatile than the market i guess this last year you know their their cargo has been quite volatile so you know if they're moving oil if they're moving chemical you know the oil and gas industry is is significantly volatile especially in the last several years so like they had one really big dip back in march 2020 but um, all all uh, sort of gas and oil declined in, in March 2020 because Saudi Arabia and Russia began an oil war, oil price war that caused oil prices to plummet. And then stock prices also collapsed because they usually follow each other. So um, at that point, they got slashed near 50% in stock value in March 2020. So it could be something similar to that. Maybe it's just like lack of information. Um, it, it wasn't really as big of a story as this is, it's not like a world calamity. So the fact that the stock price did go down 13% maybe is a fair reaction. Um, so maybe people are just being more level-headed than I thought they would be. Cause it's not like, I don't think there were any casualties were there. Uh, no, I don't think not so. human casualties. Yeah, they not were, there were a lot of animal activists that are quite upset because there was like 45, there was like a lot of water contamination. Like you said, that was like spreading and it was like up to 45,000 animals have died. I don't even know how you go about calculating that. Like, I don't want to say that that's total BS, but like, I don't even know how you go about calculating how many fish have died yeah. in, a, in a river. Yeah. I don't, well, I mean, <laughs> I, I expect it was quite dramatic because I mean, like there are videos from the scene of you could go and like 
shove a stick into the river and like the chemicals would just float up so i expect that there were like actual piles of dead animals that were being found yeah and probably probably not just fish too it was also like animals that were drinking the water that would come in and i think like people's pets were getting affected by it but also so were residents like Mm -hmm. there was let me let me pull up the article that i was reading it was the exact same so cnn like i said before they kind of pulled a hilarious move and um I mean, not hilarious, but hilarious from like an outsider's perspective is fair. Angry Ohio residents confront train CEO during CNN town hall on toxic wreck. So it says that residents of a small Ohio town whose lives have been upended since the train hauling toxic chemical derailed, um, they pressed top officials on the long-term health concerns and expressed their mounting distrust Wednesday night during a CNN town hall. So there was... um, yeah, East East Palestine grilled Governor Mike Dwayne Dwine D E W I N E Dwine yeah Dwine I think Dwine yeah. um and yeah Norfolk Southern CEO Alan Shaw on key concerns including air and water safety cleanup efforts and whether the chemicals released following the crash could have long term health effects on their family and children some of whom said they are feeling sick weeks after the massive derailment now this is a funky incident where I don't know. How truthful people are going to be because they're going to hide behind you know like because if they admit like yeah we've taken 20 years off all your lifespan i can't even imagine the lawsuit yeah. that every single person in east palestine has a right and even out of east palestine probably yeah well also i think probably one of the big problems is we have no idea because like none of these chemicals were ever meant to come like within 100 yards of, i mean like, they say we beings. have no idea but surely they know more than they're letting on well probably but i mean like like there are no studies of any kind about like what the gas that they used to make pvc pipe does when like humans are exposed to it because there was like no reason to ever think that that would happen and especially not in a setting like this where it was basically just incinerated up into the atmosphere and then allowed to come back down so i really don't think that there's any way to know yeah so there was like one guy that they were quoting specifically here he's a bit older like 65 and he was complaining that when he, he was quite close to the crash itself and when he was inhaling air near his home it was saying that he was getting severe headaches and you know he was like did you shorten my life you know i want to retire and enjoy it how are we going to enjoy it you burned me you've made me an angry man that's what he said directly which is again kind of like just like a funny thing to say um but and and of course the ceo like all of his answers are super bureaucratic he apologized and vowed to make it right through proper cleanup and reimbursing residents um, but supposedly many of their questions went unanswered. I can imagine kind of like the bureaucratic, like politician approach of like, kind of we're doing everything that we can and like reimbursing residents. What does that mean? Like you're going to give everyone 50 grand. Like, I, I don't know if no, this is like a very, I think they, the railway was offering them a thousand dollars each to cover the cost of like needing to evacuate, which I think was probably fueled kind of the rage fires of the residents in that area because that really is just kind of a slap in the face to them that wouldn't even cover that wouldn't even cover an ambulance to the hospital no and especially like east palestine is not an affluent area no not at all i think the median family income there is forty six thousand dollars, which is like for perspective the u.s average is seventy thousand. so this is not an area that could just like afford to pick up and go get a hotel room until the area but unfortunately it's also not an area that's going to be able to afford to hire the lawyers to press proper charges against like a corporation that's going to have millions of dollars to throw at at lawyers to defend Mm -hmm. so this is like one of those really funky scenarios where you have um 
like a, a victim with none of the power and all the ethical right to, and then you have, you know, the villain with all of the resources to, I mean, I guess that's kind of like a pretty, um, standard trope there. Yeah. But yeah, he's yeah, like, look at this. We're not telling you that everything is perfect. Like this is what the governor was saying. And it was talking about, you know, thousands of fish were killed and, and, there's no evidence showing fish were killed after the initial release. Like, I don't even know what that means or what they're trying. And they're saying there's no water quality concerns, but there's other experts that have come out and union representatives specifically that, that represent the railroads. And that also, um, um, other union people have come out and basically said like, this is going to contaminate, um, like city water. And, and like, I don't even, they literally might have to uproot the entire town. Like, I don't know if this is, I mean, obviously it's not Chernobyl, but like, it's like a little mini Chernobyl in like yeah. Ohio where it's like, yeah, the water's probably contaminated. It's probably going to cost the municipal government tons of money if they were to, I mean, I think the government would step in or maybe at least the state surely because it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'd have to upend and maybe rebuild a lot of their public infrastructure. And I don't even know how you go about doing that. Because if the air itself is contaminated, again, we have no idea. I don't know if it's like, oh, it's like a year. There might be some residue. Or if it's like, I I don't know how that works. Um, I really have no idea either. But, I mean, the the company's definitely at odds here. I mean, do you want to talk about a little bit about um, the lack of, like, negligence and safety? Because a lot of people said this could have been avoided. So what actually happened in the incident to cause this? Yeah, well, there were... There are a lot of, I think, up to 10 class action lawsuits filed against the railroad now, essentially for negligence um, for, you know, kind of a couple reasons. And this is something that's been building, I think, in steam really since 2019, which I'll get into in a second. But essentially on the day of the incident, it was reported that you could kind of see that the train car was on fire like 20 minutes before it actually fell off the track. So there was something that went wrong with like an axle or the braking system or something that should have notified the train crew. And I don't think it's clear if it did or if it did, if the train crew did anything about it. But essentially there was kind of visible flame and smoke coming out from under the train before it crashed. So I think that that's raised some serious concerns and questions about like the braking standards, because I know for basically the past three presidential administrations, I think this really got started under Obama. There was a debate about whether or not to roll out a new kind of braking system in trains. So I think it's um, electronically controlled pneumatic brakes is kind of the technical term for them. So it's instead of kind of like a gas control on the braking system, it's all electronically controlled, um, which has a lot of benefits. I think it allows for more even braking um, and it can brake the cars at the back of the train slightly before those at the front of the train which basically prevents a lot of the impact from breaking everything at once. And then the cars kind of jostle together. It just makes the braking a lot more even and controlled. Um, but lobbying from the railroad industry was very successful, again, for like three presidential administrations across both parties in preventing kind of very strict regulation mandating the implementation of that. So I think that that's now coming back to bite the railroad industry in Norfolk Southern in particular big time. And and there was, again, there was a union that was representing railroad workers that were, um, that did a press conference the other day. And it was like, from their perspective, uh, Norf- Norfolk Southern has prioritized speed by a system called precision scheduled railroading. It's quite a fancy word. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, all it does is that it aims to keep trains moving you know, fast over, over safe. Yeah. Well, that was, yeah, that's kind of a whole other issue, which is because I think there's a lot that goes into the precision railroad, 
So I think like one of it is when you're not with Precision Railroad, they kind of just send the trains whenever the trains are full and under Precision Railroad, they're under kind of scheduled times. So there are a lot of changes that get made. So I know like under Precision Railroad, there's less staff on site at all times because of the strict scheduling. And there's also kind of fewer inspections and they also kind of mix the type of cars on each train. So instead of like the intermodal shipping where it's like they just pick a shipping container off of the crane and drop it onto the train and they drive it away. It's like they'll mix those types of cars with like general merchandise cars. Um, So I think this is what I was talking about with the 2019, which is Norfolk Southern in 2019, said that they were going to start implementing these new precision shipping methods. And most of the staffers and people working on the trains don't like it because it kind of, it lowers the operating ratio, makes it a little more like, short-term cheaper to run the trains but there's fewer staff fewer inspections and i think it just makes a lot of people very unhappy i mean we've seen this throughout all of history where people always prioritize efficiency and production over any sort of safety or whether it be working conditions working hours work-life balance um especially in any industrial sector like transportation manufacturing like it's kind of it's not a new thing coming on the scene Mm -hmm. and another thing that i was thinking about while you were kind of explaining the braking system is i was reading through uh, a press release by the mayor and of course the mayor is cautiously optimistic that the town will bounce back like he kind of has to kind of gotta be he's kind of gotta be he can't be like all right we're screwed like run run let's get out of here i'm i'm dipping that's like obviously this was from a during a town hall a lot of town halls going on here with, with cnn and all the rest of it and, you know, of course, he, he was like, you know, we need answers and, you know, we'll get that, like all that stuff that just doesn't help at all. But what I found was particularly interesting that I was thinking about um, that I didn't originally come to mind is all the small businesses are kind of screwed. Like this entire month, they were complaining that essentially their town is incredibly stigmatized and like all their small businesses have kind of fallen off a cliff because people are essentially scared to even come mm. into the town. So they asked this question directly to the governor in in that uh, press conference thing. And he says, I'm not sure what we can do, but we're certainly going to look at that and see if there is anything. Certainly, we can do that. (laughs) That's that's the most unhelpful, like patronizing pat on the head with like a thumbs up and like finger guns that I've ever seen in my whole life. Like, we got you. Like, we're going to try our best. Like, like, I don't know, but, like, we're going to figure it out. Like, no, you're not. He's yeah. like, I've spoken to Joe Biden about this is what he said. And I was like, oh, God, and, like, that's maybe equally unhelpful. But, you know. Yeah, well, that's kind of, I feel like that guy's probably getting hung out to dry a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, totally. But, like. But that's still You've got to so have a better answer yeah. than that somewhere, somehow. Like, I, I yeah. just. Yeah, I, I think what's going to end up happening, and it, it's kind of a shame, is that entire town is going to probably fall lower than they even are where housing prices i actually have no idea and i don't even know if you could like look it up on zillow and be like have housing prices fallen but i'll i'll give it a give it a whirl housing prices in east palestine ohio um Nothing really pops up, I mean, besides the, like, Zillow and, like, realtor websites. But I would be curious um, to see come... Okay, so they do have, like, Redfin, 
does have quite literally like a uh, like a cyclical graph of like housing prices throughout the years um and they only have it updated to january 2023 because i i'm sure like it kind of takes some retrospective data collecting and whatnot to to do that but i would be curious to see come like june once they already have you know february march data in if the east palestine price dropped a lot because its median sale price right now is about 125,000. again that's super cheap like the average u.s house is around 350 grand so this is not a high class area to begin with so these people probably can't afford to leave and not a lot of people are exactly going to be wanting to buy houses in east palestine for ever ever because people are going to be scared it's contaminated whatever else there's going to be the stigma so yeah the whole situation you know super unfortunate unfortunately you're you're going to be dealing with like a massive transportation titan that is going to do anything to protect their reputation and do the bare minimum to do so rather than actually doing anything ethical to to repair east palatine east palatine's uh reputation but um kind of who knows what's what's there to come i'm i am again surprised that their stock has not plummeted more than it has but i actually what what are your thoughts on that i'm gonna look something up really quickly i just want to see something yeah i really have absolutely no clue I want to see what percentage of Norfolk Southern Corporation is owned by institutions rather than individuals. I mm. would be so basically like what I mean by that is like how much does like you and I own that versus like companies who have portfolios. Yeah, no, I would I think a company like this might be might be owned by a lot of institutions. Yeah, which I am tr- holders. Here we go. Yeah, and I'm like I'm hardly an expert. Yeah, nailed yeah. it. Seventy seven percent of these shares are held by institutions. So, it doesn't say which ones. Yeah, all the ones you can expect: Vanguard, BlackRock, J.P. Mm-hmm. Morgan Chase, you know, Lazard, Wells Fargo. It's just like a bunch of massive, like Vanguard and BlackRock own like you know, fifteen percent of this company put yeah. together. And those are the two biggest asset managers mm-hmm. in the world by far. So, and they, the date reported says December. I actually that. Oh, that's the date. Never mind. That's the date is reported. But um, and again, even the top mutual fund holders are two Vanguard, like a Vanguard 500 index fund, a Vanguard total stock market index fund, you know, um, Fidelity 500 index fund, J.P. Morgan Equity Income Fund, Lazard Global Listed Infrastructure Portfolio. So that may be also why that it hasn't fallen that much. Yeah. Um. So I mean, do you know? Like, it seems like just railroad, the industry in general, wouldn't be that big a place for like individual investors well it's not sexy that's the problem and like especially for index funds and whatnot that have like an array of stocks they really want to balance the risk and although i mean railroads are probably again the beta is kind of high but like it's it's um it has a high eps which is earnings per share um and the beta the beta could be high in this railroad i think they also pay dividends which is maybe Mm -hmm. why so like they pay a percentage of profits to shareholders and could could the beta be higher on this railroad because of all like the union the union you know like efficient railroad controversy that they've had for a couple years say that again like could the beta the volatility be higher because of the past couple years worth of kind of union debates and you know struggling to get over to the efficient railroad system yeah, definitely could be. Uh, it could also be like what I said before about like the cargo that they're holding. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure like how, you know, how, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Available products are that they mm-hmm. are transporting and like 
how how expensive i i don't know if fees go up or down depending on like oh oil's super scarce right now or oil's in like a surplus like i don't understand i don't you know know enough about the intricacies of transportation business but i i would imagine there's just so many so many factors that are out of control of the transportation company i feel like the more moving parts that you have the more cogs in a system the more things that could potentially go wrong that could cause reactions that could cause volatility a lot of the companies that are very stable are you know not really affected by the broader market kind of more to themselves and kind of self-operational and autonomous Mm -hmm. so yeah i i would say and ironically enough their last dividend date was february 2nd (laughs) was february 3rd planned who knows (laughs) um but yeah so i think that's kind of a wrap on that um i think we covered it pretty well and uh our next episode is um it's going to be on the one year anniversary of war in Ukraine. I literally saw that headline and I was like, no way. Like that was two weeks ago. They started that and it's been an entire year. So we're just going to like wrap that, see where we were, where we are, what's going on. Repercussions. So many repercussions, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Um, maybe we can talk about Taiwan too. Cause that's a whole new thing too. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's been, uh, market saints. And, uh, oh, I totally never mentioned it. Um, I guess it's kind of understood now, but, but Jack is the, is going to come on as the new co-host now because I'm tired of talking to myself. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally nailed mentioning that. Yeah. I've and, been, I've been promoted from my last appearance. Yeah. I have no idea how long this episode has been cause the screen's gone black from inactivity, but, um, it's taken whatever minute we are right now for me to share that. So as a podcast host, that's uh, good on me. And uh, yeah, no, that's everything for this episode. And uh, until the next one, peace. Mm -hmm.